0: Welcome to TechNATO with Don Pezet, featuring CIS admin expert Don Pezet, security specialist Daniel Lowry, and Peter.
1: Hello and welcome to TechNATO with Don Pizzette. I'm your host, Peter Van Rysdam, joined, as always, by Don Pizzette above me. Don, how's it going? It is going swell. It's a, a brave new world. We're uh, just and free this episode, so we'll see how it goes. And I should clarify. I said Don's above me. Uh, for those just listening, uh, <laughs> there is a video box here, and Don's above me in that. But I should clarify that. Uh, and Daniel over there, how's it going? It's going well. I just want to point out that he's also above you hierarchically. In, in several ways, organizational yeah. Organizational structure. And so- we keep mm-hmm. him locked in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> Socioeconomically, <laughs> it's
2: just, many different yeah, ways. There's and a and lot of different, different facets to that. Yeah, yeah. But
1: yeah. Uh, yeah, and we're also joined now by Boss Boss Van Cam, who is the field CTO of nerdio their Amia division so there's a lot of uh acronyms in there uh, but boss how you
3: doing yeah i'm doing great thanks for having me on the show guys yeah Back thank you
1: thank you so much for joining us and you're actually friends with uh christian right who we've had on on before here
3: yeah yeah well friends is perhaps too big of a word but uh, you know we speak uh, to each other quite uh, frequently and uh, we worked for the same company uh, back a couple of years so uh, mortal enemies well. got it <laughs> okay he's your, he's your sworn Arch rivals
4: i did <laughs>
1: i'll update that all right well uh let's get to know a little bit about you in our first segment then which is rapid fire questions who do you work for
2: what's new who are you what's happening what's wrong with you
4: All right, boss. What we're going to do here in our rapid fire section is we've got five questions queued up for you. You're going to have one minute to answer each question. If you go too long, Peter will buzz you, which uh, I think we have maybe sometimes. (laughs) Hey, there we go. Yep. (laughs) He'll get buzzed. Uh, So let's go ahead and jump right into
1: our first question. Well, I'd only written four questions because Justin isn't here, but fine. Uh, So our first question, uh, I know you've got... A lot going on in your LinkedIn, which we'll get to in a little bit, Um, but let's start at the top. So uh, CTO of Nerdio, what what is Nerdio? I haven't heard of that.
3: Sure. Well, Nerdio uh, does a lot of things. Um, We specifically focus on uh, WVD, mainly. Uh, We have two products within the portfolio, Nerdio for Azure and Manager for WVD, or Nerdio Manager for WVD. Um, Nerdio for Azure helps uh, MSPs globally to, uh, to easily build a cloud practice on the Azure platform by automating all sorts of stuff, Making image management, uh, ongoing management around all sorts of environments on the Azure platform as easy as it uh, it can be. And Manager for WVD does the exact same thing, but for native uh, WVD technology, and it adds a whole bunch of uh, features and functionalities on top, you could say. So a very sophisticated and unique auto scaling engine, um, extreme uh, sophisticated image management uh, as well. We directly integrate with various um, Azure native services, fully automated from a deployment and configuration perspective, MSIX epithets, for example, is uh, available from within the same solution as well. Multiple uh, management uh, solutions are built in uh, and so on and so forth. So specifically ongoing management and optimization of WD environments are uh, what, or is what we excel in, you could say in short.
4: Awesome. Now, uh, Peter had already mentioned that you you know, Christian, uh christian brinkoff who has been on yep. our, our podcast before and yep. uh you worked with your arch enemy on a, a book called bite-sized <laughs> cloud design principles uh tell me tell me a little bit about that book like how did that project come about
3: sure yeah it, it was something i was working on first uh, by myself for a couple of weeks um but i thought you know this is too big of a project to uh, to do alone uh, i've always been in contact with uh, with christian we see each other a lot on conferences or uh, you know that used to be the case before COVID, of course we used to work for the same company as well. So we saw each other uh, quite often back then uh, also. And I, I also know or knew that he's, uh, of course, very active within various communities. So I thought he would be the perfect guy to, to do this uh, with. Um, gave him a call, send him an email first. Uh, we had a call about 30 minutes. He was enthusiastic right away. And, you know, it was a 50-50 deal. So um, we, we both did, did a, an equal uh amount of work you could say you know with with sponsors uh, writing pieces ourselves you know getting all the content together you know the book designs and so on and so forth it was a ton of work but a lot of fun and um, well in the end a very successful project uh, as well which we still enjoy uh, you know not on a daily basis perhaps but we still talk about from time to time so and other people do as well of course That's that's also important.
2: That's really great that you guys amicably split split like that. (laughs) It's nice to see that when that can happen. Now I can see by my screen here that you are a Microsoft MVP. Now that's an honor and a distinguishing mark on your career. What's involved with being an MVP? Do you get to go to like an all-star game? and That (laughs) that could be amazing. Sure, sure, yeah.
3: So uh, I became an MVP about a year and a half ago. So I was one of the first lucky ones to receive the uh, uh, 2021 award already even before they handed it out to the, uh, well, you know, the, the new batch uh, a couple of months ago. Yeah, so what's involved? Uh, well, it differs per MVP, of course. I'm an MVP in the, um, um, uh, you know, WVD and RDS space, so enterprise mobility, it's called, uh, overall. So for me, it means um, I share a lot of my, uh, well, knowledge, uh, so to speak, blog posts uh, during presentations uh, w- within certain companies, but also on conferences. That's became a bit harder, uh, of course. Nowadays, a lot of uh, this stuff is online, and it's also something that I try to do from uh, now from within my role, working for uh, for Nerdio, with all of the community stuff uh, going on uh, as well. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's a very, very valuable program. I've been a part of a lot of community programs uh, throughout the last couple of years, um, except for VMware. I think I've had them all, and um, you know, this this is definitely uh, uh, the number one. I, I can say from experience. So so as
1: I was looking down your LinkedIn, uh, normally after someone's current job, the next one down says uh, the date range and uh, has the date that they left that. And the, the last like six things on your LinkedIn are all things that you're, you're still doing. Um, co-founder yeah. and board member, EUC Digest. Um, you mentioned the the uh, project bite size as well. Um, you know, you got your own website and consulting thing going on. How, how do you find time to do all of this?
3: Yeah, it's that it, it can be very difficult. Uh, well, it definitely all starts with uh, with a very understanding uh, and forgiving girlfriend. Uh, th- that's <laughs> the most important thing, I think. But uh, you know, it's work uh, or hobby became work. Uh, work is still hobby, so um, you know, I, I don't see it as too big of an issue to uh, to keep all the, the the balls in the air, so to speak. So um, it's something I love doing, uh, and of course, you know, sometimes uh, there's a bit more time for this and a bit more time for that, and. It also happens that I don't have time to uh, to spend on, on on any of those uh, roles, of course. Um, but you know, overall, it's uh, it's very doable, and and like I mentioned, a lot of fun. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing it uh, uh, in the first place to start well, out.
1: With. Yeah, I guess it's nice when your when your work is also your hobby and the thing you enjoy. Right. So, uh, well, very Don, important. Don promised five questions, so my last one, uh, chocosla, uh, the, the chocolate ones or the the fruity ones. Uh, the 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 chocolate ones. Then, yeah, it's the right answer. That's the little little <laughs> chocolate right sprinkles. Um, that's that's nice. a profiling question. Yeah, I was sure. I was checking him. <laughs> was you sure if you were talking about food or insulting us. <laughs> <laughs> it's both. What Would you call me? Yeah, it, it, just the entire Dutch language sounds like you're insulting someone the whole time. But no. It's, it's and lovely. Now you've insulted the entire Dutch language. I have. Way to go. Yes, I apologize for that. One of the great <laughs> romantic languages. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, let's get to our next segment here. Since we have uh, an expert here in, in cloud and, and Windows, we want to find out a little bit more about a big story that's going on right now. So let's get into the big news this week.
0: And now, the news.
1: All right. So we're taking a look at this article from ZDNet.com that says Office 365 outage with rollback failure ends after more than six hours. And this is something that as the t- uh, the time we're recording this, we're actually still kind of experiencing some of this. And, and I know Don and I were talking. We both saw some things last night that seemed a little weird and then saw the news coming out. So, Don, can you give us a little bit of a recap of what's going on? Sure. So uh, I, I noticed it the
4: same way you did, Peter. Which is uh, when I got home last night, my uh, Outlook on my cell phone was no longer able to access my account. And I, you know, I use multi-factor authentication, and every sixty days I have to re-enter my password. So I assume that's what it was. But once I provided the password, like that wasn't working. And even the authentication mechanism was kind of broken. It was trying to download an authentication file. So there were issues. Uh, it seemed to be a small thing. So Microsoft was attributing it to some Azure Active Directory outages. Uh, mm-hmm. But then it kind of extended out. And you know, Azure Active Directory is super important to all of Microsoft services. And so we started seeing outages that extended into Microsoft 365 and that whole platform, which is, of course, where my... Where my email happens to live so that went on for about six hours they uh they thought they identified the problem and rolled back some changes they had done that didn't fix the problem so it turns out they weren't related so then they had to go in and keep exploring on it um, after about six hours they flagged it as resolved so the the problem had been solved but there's still some performance issues that have been carrying over so i think they, they have fixed the issue it just takes a little while to shake out because of because of the way people cache authentication credentials and, and things of that nature so where I thought it was going to be really cool today is that we've got Boss on here who does a lot of cloud design, and we know that no cloud provider is perfect, right, that everybody has outages. So as an outsider, you know, if you're a company that's using Office 365 or Microsoft 365, or if you're just using Azure Active Directory or whatever, you know, how, do you, how do you design for outages like this? How do you plan for some of these things to be a little more resilient? I know there's a ton of features, but how, how do we take advantage of those?
3: Sure. Yeah, it was very unfortunate what uh, what happened. Of course, um, I think the difficulty here is is that it was one of the major um, Microsoft services. You know, so th- this really isn't something that the customer per se can control themselves, or in most cases not uh, anyway. But when it comes to uh, to cloud design, of course, uh, you have multiple ways to uh, you know to to design your deployments over perhaps even multiple clouds. But even if you look at Azure, for example, you can work with uh, availability sets, um, availability zones, fault and update, uh, update domains, uh, multiple regions uh, even, and so on and so forth. And I think that's probably one of the most important things to at least have a look at uh, when you start designing whatever solution it may be within, uh, let's say, Azure. Um, if you don't do that, you know, it, you're know you destined uh, to fail. Like, uh, like, they, like they say, uh, sometimes one is none. Uh, you know, always working pairs. Uh, Look at, again, look at multiple regions, um, make sure that, you know, updating one machine doesn't affect any of your other machines with fault and update domains, things like that. Um, And if you know about these concepts, they're relatively easy to configure within the, uh, in this case, the Azure portal as well. So that can definitely help uh, save you a lot of trouble when when these types of issues uh, occur. But of course, in this particular case, it was so big uh, one of Microsoft's main services um, will be hard to uh, work around something like uh, like this. It's hard to predict as well, of course. So just bad luck for Microsoft. But unfortunately, you know, this is also p- uh, part of the well, um, the cloud experience. Uh, you could you could say, uh, however bad that uh, that may uh, may sound.
4: Yeah, I don't I don't know how much of the globe it affected, but I know for us, as far as an outage, like being on the East Coast, it was all after business hours. It was mostly at night. Yeah. If you're on the West Coast, though, it was during business hours, and that stinks. If you were in Europe or somewhere else, you know, it absolutely impacted you there. Well, I shouldn't say absolutely I don't well, know it'll kind of it come overnight forward.
1: or into the morning you're waking up to find you can't check your email, maybe.
4: Yeah. And I yeah. initially started thinking, okay, Azure Active Directory is down. Well, you know what? I can replicate Azure AD to other places. I even on prem or uh, you can stand up Active Directory in AWS and go multi-cloud like you were describing. But then I got to thinking about it. I was like, wait a minute, this, this affects Microsoft 365. I, I can't replicate that somewhere else, right? I don't have a web-based version of Word and Excel and OneDrive. I, I can't replicate maybe that somewhere
2: else. Maybe you can't, Don, but, you know, we don't like to brag. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not going to happen. I've been thinking about how is this going to impact Microsoft financially as far as, like, the SLA agreements and the uptime that yep. maybe have been violated now. How is that going to impact their bottom line uh, as far as that goes?
4: Do they have an SLA? Well, they,
2: I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like, if we're using that as a business... Uh, Uh, a line of software a line of business software and now we are not getting the service that we've been uh, guaranteed
3: well they they work with giving back credits uh, Ah. normally so uh it won't uh, you know it will impact them financially uh, potentially but you know no uh, hard cash uh, will be involved at least that would be my guess so yeah that's in most of the slas that they only work with giving back as your credits
4: I'm looking it up real quick, uh, and I'm I'm not finding it offhand because I know some of their services, right? Like Azure Blob Storage, they do have SLAs there based on uh, durability. Uh, but I, I don't know on the availability side. I don't think they promise anything that great. Like mm. you know, it, it was a six-hour outage. If that's the only outage they have this year, I think that's still three nines of availability. Mm. So they they might be in a they in might, a, a might window good, where it's okay. Yeah.
3: Although the, um, I think most of the SLAs are calculated on a monthly basis as well. So it it, it might have depend on uh, on the the service impacted. But uh, if you look at the Azure credits I was just mentioning, that will be um, you know um, given on a monthly basis. So they look after that thirty or thirty one days if the SLA has been uh, breached. So, so Don, I just they don't want. I don't have to wait all year for it.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. So, so Don, I want to clarify uh, something you said earlier. So you said it, it, they, they realized it wasn't because of the, the new update they had that they, that they then rolled back. And I, I read early on, I think, that they said it didn't seem to be any malicious activity or, or a hack or anything like that. Have they said, though, what the problem was specifically then?
4: Nothing I've read has indicated what the problem was yet. Uh, you know, they had they had recently rolled out some changes. They've been rolling out changes like crazy. You know, if you look at Microsoft Teams and how it's changed yeah. during the pandemic in the last six months, that software has seen so much development. It is ridiculous. So they've been rolling out changes pretty frequently. So what they did is they they just said, here's these three changes that we made today. Let's roll these back and then that failed to solve the problem and they they uh, apparently was somehow tangentially attached to the problem, so they thought it might work but they just couldn't tell until they rolled it back and once they had it didn't work so then you you have to remember like microsoft has some of the most skilled and well-trained software engineers and infrastructure engineers on the planet, uh, you know, they're, they're running these huge data centers. So they just dove in and, and fixed it. I'm sure we'll get a report out of it before long what happened, yeah. but you know, it, it could be as simple as some kind of certificate that was responsible for Active Directory replication expired. And, you know, it just took a while to hunt it down. Like that, those things happen pretty frequently these days. Or Daniel doing some
1: red team stuff, possibly. Never. Wait, did Justin go to work for them? <laughs> yeah. He pushed a new software down. That update. makes sense. Yeah. That makes total sense. Yesterday man. was Justin's first day <laughs> of work. I'm yeah. a little rusty Oops. at this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, uh, yeah. boss, I want to uh, find out a little bit more. You, you mentioned uh, to us off the air that, that there's some new announcements at Nerdio, some uh, some new product launches.
3: Well, not uh, necessarily a product launch. If you look at Manager for WVD, so the, uh, the flagship uh, product around WVD, could say, uh, within the portfolio, You know, we have releases coming out uh, every month, uh, sometimes even twice a month. But we did uh, initiate and launched a community initiative called the Nerdio Tech Insider Program. So we have a Slack channel meetup page. We do uh, a lot of webinars that we organize uh, going forward, or we have a lot of webinars planned. And one of the the bigger things, um, together with the Tech Insider Program, is the launch of uh, Manager for WVD, the community edition, which will be uh, officially launched on... October the 21st, uh, so next month. Uh, this, this is something I uh, recently announced earlier today. So um, a lot of interest, uh, w- which I knew before, and of course, because I've, I've spoken about this uh, multiple times on my socials and, and things like that. But, uh, you know, the, the Tech Insider program as well, it's going uh, it's going really well. Uh, lots of people in the Slack channel helping each other out, talking about WVD, about Azure, about Microsoft in general, MSI, Appetach, all sorts of WVD related technologies and solutions. So definitely not just Nerdio. Um, but of course, there is a big focus on, on Nerdio technology. Also.
1: And if people want to check that out, is that just <coughs> Nerdio.com?
3: Um, yeah, uh, we have, uh, if, you know, if you do a simple Google uh, Nerdio and Meetup, you'll get our uh, Meetup page to, uh, to sign up for, um, you know, for ongoing uh, um, events that we will organize and announce through the through the Meetup page. So like the 21st will be the first one. Um, uh, and of course via the the Nerdio website uh, definitely as well. Multiple blog posts about it and, and so on and so forth. Fantastic. It's very yep. cool to to work on that.
1: Yeah, and then uh, I know we had mentioned Project Bite Sized a couple times, and uh, that is available as well. I believe on what on Amazon, and then the yes. the website is projectbitesized uh, dot or book b y t e of course um, for byte there. Um, So definitely check that out and uh, yeah, and support those guys because that's uh, a really cool project and uh, yeah, a lot of great reviews on it and looks really good. Anything else that I, I missed? I know you've got like 30 companies that you work at, so...
3: No, you you know, um, we also run the uh, EUC Digest podcast. So just like you guys having a bit of fun uh, every uh, two weeks. So a biweekly podcast, that's something uh, that we do as well. I'm not one of the co-hosts. So I'm I'm, I'm, I'm in the board, um, you know, and help come up with ideas and and, and guests and and things like that. So I do a lot of uh, behind the scenes uh, work, you could say. But together with the book, uh, my own website, and of course the the Tech Insider program now, It's you know, it's busy enough. Fantastic. Oh, blah,
1: blah, blah. So, um, I'll make sure that we do put links to all of that in the uh, description there on the uh, on the YouTube version of this. So uh, check that out. And then you can definitely go and find all of those links. But thank you so much, boss, for taking the time to join us today.
3: Thank you very much for having me. Uh, I had a great time and, um, you know, uh, all the best with uh, with the rest of the show and, and future episodes.
1: Sounds good. Very We've good. got a little bit of news to get to. So go ahead and uh, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this on TechNATO with Don Pezzette.
3: This
0: is Josh. Josh spent $2,500 on a week of classroom training for CompTIA A-plus and got certified. Josh got a good job that pays $40,000 per year. This is Jeremy. Jeremy only spent $299 on a full year of training from IT Pro TV, including A Plus and 300 other courses. Jeremy also got a great job that pays $40,000 per year. Jeremy used the more than $2,200 he saved on IT training for a fabulous tropical vacation. Now, Jeremy is still using his IT Pro TV membership to study for Network Plus and Security Plus to advance his career, but not spending any more money. Since all three are included in his IT Pro TV membership plus 300 more courses don't be like josh choose IT Pro TV for your IT training
1: all right, welcome back to TechNATO with Don Pezet, and thank you so much to Bas van Cam for joining us and uh, helping us dissect that Office 365 or Microsoft Microsoft 365. Yeah, the, it, it renamed to Microsoft yeah, 365. I, yeah. I heard you do that once. I was like, oh, did it change? I don't, I don't even know. But, uh, yeah, we'll hopefully find out more about that in the news. But We've got a lot of other news to get to, so let's just jump right in. This is an article from the BBC.com that uh, we just missed last week, but uh, it's too good of a story that we definitely want to go back and look at it. Uh, So this says, uh, an old TV caused village broadband outages for 18 months. And I just love this story. So this is basically somewhere uh, in the UK, I believe, and they uh, every day at a certain time, the Internet would go down and... They couldn't figure out why everyone's calling and, and looking into it, and they actually brought in people, which uh, is the coolest part about this, that they walked around and, and checked everything and were looking for signals, and they found it was an old TV uh, that uh, that someone would turn on every morning to watch the news at 7 a.m., and that was enough to do it, and I just got to wonder, what? how old is this TV, or can n- newer TVs well, you
4: know, if you think about it, there are countries like like here in the U.S. where we've done the digital conversion, right? So you have to have a digital TV in order to function. But before that change, you could have a TV from the 1950s that would still work today. Like, I mean, I I grew up; we had a black and white color con- or black and white uh, console television uh, that you know worked all through my childhood,
1: where you were the remote, where your parents were just yeah, telling yeah, you no, to Yeah, yeah, no remote. That was crazy the, talk. Yeah. Uh, the other was the remote. Yeah, that's what I'm saying you are the remote. <laughs> hey,
4: boy, get up and put it on channel four
2: for dad, would you?
4: <laughs> and that that TV was ancient when I was a kid, but you know now it'd be even older, and it would still work. You would just have to stick a converter box on it. So in mm. this case, they had an old TV that uh, something had been done to it that was making it generate a ton of interference. And every day at 7 a.m., they'd turn that TV on like clockwork, and down would go the internet. Uh, you know, initially I was thinking this would be like a DSL type thing where DSL sends your data on a different frequency over your phone line. But in this case, it's not going over phone line, right? So it's going to be going over cable of some sort. And, uh, you know, you can attach a cable RF connector to a antenna connector, and all of a sudden you've got interference on it.
1: Okay, so here's my question. You would, um, you know, have a, a level of interference level of interference near the TV. But, you know, if, if I'm across the village, how is this still affecting me? Or is it affecting that's the area where the wire is coming through and it's affecting everything coming in and out at that point like a choke point. yeah,
4: you know so cable originally was called CATV, which was community access television. and the the way it all started was you had these communities that were like in valleys and if you were surrounded by mountains then you couldn't you couldn't get a tv signal and so they would stick antennas way up on the top of the mountain and then run cabling down the mountain and the whole community would share those antennas so community access well what that means is normally when we think of cable television we think of of a signal coming to us but those copper cables will send signals the other direction just as well. And and this is something I caution people about when we're talking about like the ethernet over power adapters, right? Uh, if, you, if you want an ethernet connection in your house, but you don't want to run cable, they sell these adapters where you can run it over your power line, right? Some of them are just called power line connectors. And if you're not careful, if you don't have the right electric meter on the outside of your house, your network data is actually being sent onto the electrical grid, and other people in your neighborhood could buy one of those adapters, plug it in, and actually see that traffic. That's why they have to use encryption, even though they're on a power line. So in this case, it's not too crazy. Uh, the, the crazy part here is that they let it go on for 18 months. I mean, how long do customers have to complain before you actually send somebody out to check it out? <laughs> you, you
1: get elevated to tier
2: two support. I, I'm, I'm seeing people with pitchforks and torches oh, I mean, We're talking old school, uh, British, angry people out there going, yep. I want my BBC, you know. <laughs> Going crazy, and someone's got to watch Downton Abbey. I mean, yeah. I know I love that. That's and a great they even, show.
4: They even mentioned they did a cable replacement program, which means they replaced all the cabling run between their their uh, head end unit that was out there and, and these customers, and didn't send
1: an engineer out to test it? Like How much <laughs> money did that cost? Them? Well, they probably had, had them tested it at... Two in the afternoon. Well, yep, looks fine. Everything yeah. looks great. No, you need to be here it's at my seven, house at seven AM on the yeah. dot and try to watch this YouTube video. Mil- and that's ultimately what they did.
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Seven A. M. They were out there and they uh they managed to pick it up with a uh I was about um, to
2: ask you, Don, are you familiar with these uh analyzing machines that they use to discover the
1: signal?
4: I think they just use like an oscilloscope to discover. Oh, really? okay. spectrum, spectrum. Spectrum analyzer.
1: analyzer. Yeah. Uh, to find any electrical noise, so my question is: wh- What is the punishment for the for the person? <laughs> you know, you, you cost in the stocks for sixteen six months <laughs> for your entire village, and the amount of time yeah. to and, and the cost of the cabling. I mean, so
4: yeah. I don't I don't know here in the U.S. Right? So if if that TV was operating out of some frequency like the, the FCC didn't allow. There could be FCC fines, but this is an accident. You know, it was an old TV. Okay. It was just you know not working right. But in the UK, I know they have some interesting rules because you have to have a license for your TV, right? Uh, Because they have state-run television networks. And so you pay a tax to fund those state-run networks. And if you haven't paid that tax, you're not allowed to watch TV. So it's possible that this person had manipulated the TV to get around that tax. (laughs) How are they handling cord cutters over there? (laughs) (laughs) Not very well, yeah. Like a lot of them, they still have to pay their – like when you buy a television, you have to pay the tax on that television when you buy it. Yeah, it's it's
1: interesting. Different it's, countries have different roles. Yeah, well, I'm glad they got this resolved, and I assume uh, the whole town pitched in and, and bought this person a new TV. Yeah, <laughs> they, they did say that uh, they didn't want to be named, and I'm like, well, yeah, the town will be out in pitchforks. Yes. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, I'm sure. I'm sure you. You know, this is one of those small villages. You could find out pretty oh, yeah. easily uh, who that was, but well, I'm glad that they worked that out. All right, our next article is from Slashdot.org. Dot Firefox usage is down 85 percent, despite Mozilla's top exec pay going up 400 percent. Dollar, dollar, bill, y'all. <laughs> that doesn't seem. I'm not a. I'm not a, a economist. But that nor do I do math. Doesn't seem good. First of all, what is what is Firefox's business model? Because money. I download Firefox for free. <laughs> all where, right. Where are they making the money?
4: There are so many red flags around Mozilla right now that I mean, it is just a corruption case waiting to happen. Uh, the, the, the main revenue source for Firefox is Google. Hmm. So Google invests over $26 million every year to make Google the default search engine for Firefox. And that is their primary resource uh, just as far as revenue. Like they wow. get the bulk of their money from their main competitor, right? <laughs> uh, so you know, it, it, a lot of people are looking at it and saying that Google just does that to avoid monopoly charges but Firefox has been on the decline ever since they tweaked the way their plugins were handled. They have just been declining and declining and you know, they are part of the, the Mozilla foundation and Mozilla has really spread itself out, not just tackling the web browser anymore, but tackling all of these other different projects that are kind of wrapped under its uh, umbrella. And a lot of people feel they've, they've lost their way. Uh, but this year they announced they'll be letting go 250 employees their browser is down 85% as far as their market share. Very, very very small market share for it. Um, Microsoft Edge is w- got way higher adoption than Firefox, and Google Chrome is the number one.
1: Well, that's because you can't get Edge off your computer.
4: Well, that you, is man. true. <laughs> uh, but then they looked at their CEO's salary, and they said, well, this doesn't really match up with the other Silicon Valley salaries, so we need to bump it up, and bumped it up 400%, which is an insult to the employees. And he's not making a Silicon Valley salary because he's not making Silicon Valley revenues, but that
1: doesn't seem to matter. Uh, and he got a huge
4: raise. Gotta
2: keep up with the Joneses, Don.
1: Yeah, and to I guess. to put some uh, some uh, perspective on that, you said 250 people. That's a quarter of the workforce. So uh, that's a, that's a pretty deep cut uh, at that point. Where it it looks like I mean I don't see any innovation coming out of uh, Mozilla to to try to fight this. I see it's kind of all right. We're we're cowering and going away at this point.
4: You know, they were positioning themselves for a while as the the browser that protects you. You know, your privacy is what matters, and we want to take care of you, the customer. But then they made several missteps, and that's where you have browsers like Brave now, which Brave is based on Firefox, and Brave is focused on privacy. Well, if Firefox is already based on privacy, what why do we need Brave? But obviously, there's a need there, and so that that's what's going on. and uh, And now the CEO uh, will probably be more interested. Just because they've got to make sure they have a car where the doors open like this as opposed to like this, (laughs) right? He's in the three-comma club. You want three-comma. As we learned from Silicon Valley. That's right.
1: So so there you go. (laughs) So is this – would this be the biggest non-Chromium browser or maybe like Safari at this Um,
4: point?
1: You know, I
4: I don't know who's got the bigger market share. So few people use Safari that I have to imagine Firefox has a bigger market share. Uh, let me. I, I, the only I'll reason I would up.
1: think maybe not is because Safari's there already. You don't have to go out and download that. So people that maybe don't know any better, I use IE yeah. Well, <laughs> it's what's on your computer already. But
4: I think like on on an iPhone, there's tons of people that use Safari. Yeah. Right. It's there. It works. It has ad blocking. That's that's it. But. On a Mac, if you're running an actual Mac, not many people actually use Safari. The other browsers are available. Even Edge is available now on, yeah. on Mac OS. So, the only time I use what, it when I? it's Crazy? an accident, when, when it opens automatically when I click yeah. on something. Wait a second. This? Yeah. started yeah. this. So I'm, uh, I'm pulling it up, and it looks like Safari has a significantly larger market share. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like they wow. are floating around... Uh, Hang on, i got too many browsers in this thing. Is
1: this overall or just in terms of... Uh, This is overall. So uh,
4: according to StatCounter.com, the leading expert in uh, market share stuff, uh, that as of August 2020, Chrome had 66% of the market share. Uh, Safari had 16.8% of the market share, which is pretty big. That must include mobile. Uh, Firefox was down at 4%. Wow. Uh, Wait, so, you, didn't,
1: you didn't mention edge are they in there
4: uh i didn't mention edge you know i e oh, from 2017 well they've got i e edge legacy they've got them divided so it would be uh looks like 1.2 and about two and a half percent actually so Edge is pretty far down according to them
1: hmm. well they they are stat counters
4: yeah. Uh, well, I'm sure their information is factual and reliable, just like all the other various news sources that we cite. What do they say? There's <laughs> lies, there's
1: damn lies, and there's statistics. <laughs> yeah. nice. Yep. Well said. <laughs> all right. So anyway, yeah, just go ahead and remove Firefox off your machine now. You know,
2: what's funny is I, I tend to use a lot of Firefox because of you know it comes pre-installed with Kali, and it tends to be or has been historically the... The hacking browser of choice and i I have to agree totally with don when he talked about how when they changed the way their plugins work it just went to total garbage Uh, because i had a lot of great plugins that did a lot of cool things and now those things don't work and when they try to port them over to the new way they weren't as effective or worked at all really so i mean i guess it's time to migrate away
4: i think i think this is going to be a decision point for Firefox, this is going to be a pivotal moment in the history of that company. That they're going to have to make a decision. If they keep doing what they're doing right now, then they're they're just going to you know wander off yeah. into the uh, sunset. <laughs> we'll see what
1: happens when the inevitable new CEO comes in after this. Yeah, because I'm assuming that that's a hard one to justify. So we'll see what happens. Mm. All right, our next article is at ArsTechnica.com. Western Digital releases new larger Red Pro and Purple drives. Uh, and let's see the picture. They're red. Uh, are, yeah. the, are the purple ones actually purple? They're like a giant. They cruise. are. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh,
4: Western Digital colors their drives, right? So they have the environmentally friendly, low energy ones that are green. They're not actually environmentally friendly, but they are low energy and they're green. <laughs> uh, they have the regular class, like workstation drives, that are blue. They have the higher-end ones that are black, uh, the network-attached storage ones, the ones that are designed maybe not for the greatest performance, but greater uh, stability and, and lifetime. Uh, those are the reds, uh, and now they've introduced a new purple tier, so they're kind of breaking into some new ones. But the, the big thing here is how massive these drives are. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, Don, why do they even still make spinning disks? right? SSD is so much faster and the price of SSD has dropped so much, right? You can get a a 500 gig SSD drive for $80. So, or even lower in some cases. So, when it's that cheap to get a SSD, why would they even bother making spinning discs? Well, these new Western Digital Reds, Come in 16 terabyte and 18 terabyte models. So massive amounts of storage. If you're setting up network attached storage, if you need uh, you know cold storage for backups, if you need things like that, these massive drives uh, at their price point. I, I think they actually have it in the article somewhere that a uh, an 18 terabyte drive is 593 dollars, uh, and Seagate has something comparable for 580 dollars. So you know you're looking at a price per terabyte or price per gigabyte even just is incredibly low, and so that's why spinning disks are still a thing and why they're still important is you just you get a lot of bang for your buck. Are they just cheaper to make the like the parts that go into it? It's the technology. You know the the spinning disk that that platter technology is they can always add more platters in. They can get more dense on the platter and they can fit more stuff on there versus the circuitry that's used in SSD. They have Moore's Law. You know, it gets smaller and smaller, and they start running up against that, and they're having a hard time getting it smaller. And the more data that's on there, they have to constantly provide electricity to keep charging it, to writing to it, versus the magnetic media that can can just be idle and and hold its data. So reading and writing to flash generates a lot of heat. Reading and writing from the the platters doesn't generate nearly as much heat. So there's there's all sorts of concerns like that that go into... Why, why one is more expensive than another? You
2: know, I was going to kind of uh, uh, dump on the idea of them having the colored discs, and I thought, actually, that might be a really good idea because you can't. It'd be really difficult to make an accidental purchase. Like, I got the wrong disc and slapped it in there. Oh, no, it's the wrong well, color. That doesn't go there. I'm not yeah. saying it's a perfect solution, yeah, just, Peter. That's why they write on them as well. I'm sure so. <laughs> it does say red on the on the red one. I so see they
4: uh, they actually do have a, a list of what the colors are all matched to, and they've got the ones that I mentioned. Uh, the the one I didn't mention, purple, is flagged for surveillance equipment. Uh, so if you've got cool. webcams and you know motion sensors and stuff that are recording surveillance data, that's what they are. Why would that uh, need its own
1: thing? Because it's constantly recording over you itself. Know, maybe th-
4: video cameras don't write a ton of data. Uh, so, you know, most security cameras aren't grabbing at like 4k 60 frames per second. They're normally grabbing at some really grainy level yeah, and, and you can so just on. enhance it later, but <laughs> they need to be able to run for years on end without being messed with. And so it's usually based around the, the quality of it. And they do very few reads. They do tons of writes, but very few reads. So they're right optimized, uh, versus like on a network attached storage, you probably do equal amounts of reads and writes, or, or maybe more reads than writes.
1: Well, I don't know about you guys, but I think the purple ones are delicious. <laughs> <laughs> they taste the best. jeez <laughs> oh, I can't even go to this next article because I have gotta like log into the. <laughs> oh, it's the Washington, Washington Post. Have I you read the headline it? over here. I've I've got the article up, but all of a sudden <laughs> now I've got the pop up covering the the headline. Uh, so this next one here is the company email promised bonuses. It was a hoax, and Tribune Publishing employees are furious. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I would get mad too. This sounds like a total, total don move. So this <laughs> total is don a, move. Nice. my name has been turned into a verb <laughs> yeah, or adjective. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so this is a total
4: bonehead move, and I guess I mean we could say that about Firefox as well, right? You know, Mozilla with what they're doing. Uh, the Chicago Tribune is so it's a, a newspaper and newspapers haven't been doing so well. They haven't been doing so well for years now because of online. Uh, But the pandemic has really impacted print newspapers. And so they have done layoffs, They've done furloughs. Uh, No one is getting raises. You know, uh, I think one person who was complaining said they've been working there for five years and they've only gotten one raise in that time and it was less than 3%. So, you know, a lot of unhappy workers. Well, they get an email one day saying, hey, uh, you're going to get a bonus. Click on the link. And what it was, was a phishing test a lot of companies have started hiring other organizations to come in and test their employees to see if they would click on a phishing link. And that's what this was. And some employees clicked on it, some didn't, but all of them were offended by the fact that they would be doing layoffs and furloughs and denying raises and yet tease us with this bonus as some kind of phishing attempt. It was done in extremely bad taste. And the reason I wanted to bring it up here on TechNado, because you, you might argue like this is a management problem, not a tech problem, is that this is one of those instances, though, where in IT, we can be a little insensitive to our end users' needs, right? So somebody in the IT department likely looked at this and said, wow, what a what a great way to get people to click on a link. We promised them a bonus. Yeah, or, if you want them to click, it's so a great idea. I, I, yeah.
2: thought, I thought I read in the article that that was done based off of threat modeling, that that was a common tactic in that... Um, industry was to use that type of language, and that's why they went with that.
4: yeah, and I, I could see that making sense like yeah. from the from the pen tester or security company standpoint. but at some point you have to be a little humane uh-huh. and say, if I've been running my company through the ringer like this, I need to take care of my people
1: and find a more sensitive way to do this. But mm-hmm. if you are spearfishing this company now, know that this is an email oh, that will we'll ring some bells. And, <laughs> and these are people that haven't gotten raises in years well, and would have to get a raise. Right.
2: a in front of a starving man right there. I'll
1: <laughs> regret this, but here's how I
4: would fish this company. <laughs> I would craft an email to the employees. Asking if they wanted to be a part of a class action lawsuit <laughs> yeah, against the company. Yeah, I knew that was coming. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you'll get clicks left and right. And yeah. you can even make up an attorney's office. You don't even have to impersonate somebody. You just make up a, a law firm and they will click. And now you can take advantage well, of this. This is the
1: Washington Post. So what if it uh, an email that's an apology from Jeff Bezos? Click well, no, <laughs> okay, here so for the full statement. The Washington Post is
4: reporting on
1: it, but right. it was oh, the, she she writes tribune, the Tribune, the tribune. Yeah. which right. I
4: can't imagine they would report on. That, yeah. That,
1: <laughs> they're that, like, no, we didn't. Yeah. i sure. Who owns of,
4: them now? Now you got to wonder. Isn't because, Tribune Company the, the yeah parent? something like that? And a Tribune Publishing Company, so not Washington Post, right? Okay, okay. yeah. So that's
1: why Bezos is like, look at these idiots. <laughs> yeah. No, but you're not getting a raise either.
2: I mean, it does raise a, a, a an interesting debate though, because if you're just playing devil's advocate and you come at it from both sides and you say, well, if we're gonna most effectively campaign to tighten the security, we're gonna see if something like this would be successful and it oh dang shooting it sure was now we can really focus our security efforts and our security awareness training and saying uh, okay we're sorry we hurt a bunch of people's feelings but it kicks a bunch of ass i so have your feelings hurt instead of having a giant data breach that that could be an argument that could be made
4: yeah yeah, it it does come down to taking care of the people though, yeah. and this one just seemed a little tone deaf, and that's that's what they're <laughs>
1: taking heat on.
2: I, I like how you put that. <laughs>
1: In this case, you just lie and say no, that was actually fishing. <laughs> yeah, uh, we yeah, we've just pretend. Yeah, we patched the <laughs> hole, that, so. and uh, don't worry, we won't. That's get a those good point. Anymore. It's
4: like you know, the the executive sends out some scathing email and and wants to take it back, and as the IT department, you say, well, we can't take the email back, but just just say it was a yeah, it, was it was a, phishing a real slide. fishing campaign. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. and here's the. People you should fire, because,
1: oh, yeah. by <laughs> the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can only be mad at this and this was, you clicked on This was an
4: outsourced company
2: as well, right? It wasn't internal pen testers. It was, I think they outsourced this,
1: or they were...
4: I just assumed it was. Yeah. Uh, I didn't actually see. How big I, of a I company
1: do you need to be to have in, in-house pen testers, do you think?
4: You have to be pretty big. Yeah, I and mean, Even that's it's not a good big. idea, is it, Daniel? Uh,
2: what, to have in-house pen testers?
4: Yeah, do you use your own people for that? Is it because they know too much already? Um, it's possible,
2: yeah. To, there's pros and cons for every type and a lot of times even if a company does have internal penetration testing teams they'll still bring in third parties to validate and make sure there's no internal bias and things of that nature so uh, that would push you back into the idea that obviously they have quite a bit of money because that would get super expensive really quick
1: well i know we were talking we'd done this before um this the same kind of email thing at Mm -hmm. our company and Mm -hmm. i I heard someone bring up recently that that there was talk of doing it again so now I'm looking out for that email about bonuses. (laughs) I'm just going to print it out. Well, I think we're we're getting
4: free fishing testing right now because, I I don't know about you guys, but I get at least five attempts a day. Uh, 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 So, like, people are just hitting me nonstop. Nobody (laughs) knows who the hell I am, Don. So, that's the way I like it.
1: (laughs) We'll uh, we'll also link uh, Daniel's email down (laughs) in the description (laughs) of this one as well. Uh, I always need some good fishing samples for the show. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. All right, Uh, our next article is from scmagazine.com. UHS confirms hospitals hit by cyber attacks. Some systems are down. I just got to say, the kind of monster... That would uh, attack a hospital during yeah. a global pandemic is a special kind of monster with a a whole. I don't. I don't know how many. Was it a hell There email? Are, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, <it> was, yeah. <laughs> the the nurses uh, were going to get a raise Actually, apparently for uh, the pandemic, and so this is universal health services. Uh, it's a, a hospital system, right? Not it just is, one place.
2: It was talking about between the UK and the United States. I'm I'm unfamiliar with this.
4: Yeah, UHS they uh, they basically run hospitals. Hospitals gotcha. in most countries are a business, yeah. And so there is usually a for-profit entity behind the hospital somewhere, and and that's kind of where UHS fits into this. They they are the managerial side of things. So it's easy to walk into a hospital and think that the doctors are running the show, but then behind them somewhere are the business people that actually keep the lights on. Not not saying that's a bad thing, like somebody's got to pay the bills, right? Uh, so this organization does that. And basically, that means they have a network of hospitals. And with ransomware, once one machine gets infected, it starts to spread across the others. And on a single network, that's certainly going to happen fast. But when you've got VPN tunnels between hospitals for sharing information, it's going to spread across those tunnels as well, right? And that's uh, kind of a, a symptom that even enterprises have, but in hospitals, it's more so true because they, they have regulatory compliance. They have to ensure that n- no patient data is being sent unencrypted anywhere. So they are likely going to have VPN tunnels that are up and probably not even filtered in between the hospitals. So that traffic can start to jump across and infect other hospitals. And that's what we saw here. Uh, they did have a lot of stuff in place to be able to try and stop this. They didn't pay a ransom you know they were able to recover but systems did go down for a period of time and that's something that a lot of people don't plan for is they say all right well i'm I'm backing up my data to the cloud and if i get ransomware i know that i can format the machines and i can restore my data from the cloud but they don't factor in the fact that it's going to take a day or two to format all those machines and restore the data from the cloud well for somebody like us uh, you know we we technado films once a week we could we go down for a day or two while we restore machines but if you're a hospital you've got people in there 24 7 needing medical care and so you've got to have things in place now uhs never actually went offline they you know just had some services degraded they had a lot of backups so i'm not aware i haven't read anywhere of anyone being hurt or losing a life but we did just have that happen a few weeks ago there was another hospital that got hit and dusseldorf germany or something was it
3: I don't remember exactly where it was. it was, but they
4: did credit one person died due to a medication wow. delay. And, uh, you know, they, they had been in contact with the ransomware author or whoever was operating it. The the douchebag, you mean? And, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and they were apologetic and sent the decryption key or whatever, but the damage is done at hey, that dude, point. Dude, you killed somebody. Yeah. I'm coming for you. You know what? And you can I'm have, have person, your Bitcoin back. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, because you're going to need <laughs> it. It just turned into Taken, yeah. and I'm going to find your tail. So, I am surprised uh-huh. at how ineffective uh, at least the U.S. government has been in tracking down these ransomware operators. Uh, it's such a, it's a very visible crime that is affecting so many people. And you can email them and have a conversation with the, you know, the, these operators. Why? Why are they catching them? Probably just
2: because it's it's just money at this point now that it's pushed into actual like human life. I wouldn't be surprised if we see that kind of thing. That's that's the kind of thing people get rally cried behind. I don't know. The government gets so, more rally
1: cried behind money. Oh. Than <laughs> Only if it's than theirs. A lot of Only cases. if it's theirs. That's they don't true. give a shit about yours. That, that's maybe why <laughs> yeah. they're not attacking the treasury and places yeah. like that. But yeah. uh but Don to answer your question why they're not tracking them. I've seen enough movies to know that you can bounce the signal oh, yeah. across oh, the map. Yeah. So he's in he's in Istanbul. No, wait, I'm sorry, he's in He's in Romania. If you only, keep, keep him on the phone. You've yeah, got thirty get, seconds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, so quick. So this is a question for for you, Daniel, about kind of how a ransomware attack works, because it says in the article, UHS claims that it doesn't appear that any patient or employee data was accessed, copied, or compromised. Is that the case in most ransomware, where they're not actually exfiltrating data, but they are more just um, uh, yeah, it's all encrypting
2: about, it. It's all about like locking it up in a box that you can't see into, and then extorting money out of you to get the key to open it back up because that stuff is important and valuable to you. If it were important and valuable to them, they would take it. Now, sometimes that does happen. Not only do they lock it up, but they take copies of it as well and then sell it, especially if it's things like PII. Just depends on the hacker and what their end goal and their motivations are. What they're going to do?
1: Yeah, I guess just getting um, the ransoms the easier uh, yeah. easier. Uh, pay it's uh, it's low hanging fruit. Yeah. yeah. Now
4: I didn't I didn't pick the news art. We had so many great news articles this week, and I didn't pick this one, but I'll just mention it here. Uh, there was a Nevada or Nevada school district that was hit with ransomware. The district refused to pay the ransomware, and the hackers published thousands of students' grades uh, and a lot of their PII. Uh, so some of them are actually exfiltrating the data or at least maintaining a backdoor to be able to get at the data. And if you don't pay the ransom, they'll leak it out. And, uh, I can tell like here it's just thousands and there's probably hundreds of thousands of students in that school district. So likely they leak a little bit and say, all
1: right, here's your chance. You Just can stop prove the rules. rest. Yeah. yeah, to prove that we really got it. Because yeah. I, I I could see it moving that way because as more companies become aware of ransomware uh, and, and are doing more to maybe have those backups ready and to say, hey, we're not paying that ransom. We can be down for eight hours and, and restore from our, our backup. Well, if they want another way to make money, yeah. it's to take that information and say, fine, we're going to make it public. And I mean, whether it's... You know, that was one PII of the like that, that was one of the
2: big selling points. That I think why we went with um, Sophos because they had a really good solution for once you discover a problem, it kind of um, quarantines not not just that machine, but it starts looking for other indicators of compromise and and keeping it contained as well as possible. Uh, it did a really good job of that. So that's kind of like why we went with that. And a lot of good EDR solutions do that type of uh, containment, so that even if you do get hit with ransomware doesn't have a chance to spread to something critical you might be able to get away with just giving the big bird finger to whoever crypto locked you
1: and move on i think that's their tagline if you got a problem (laughs) yo they'll solve it check out my bird (laughs) (laughs) while Sophos revolves it yeah i believe believe that's how it goes
2: (laughs) something to that effect
1: all right well that's an interesting one there um hey we've got something big coming up the hangover that is actually tonight on the day that we're uh, recording this, it's uh, if you head over to go.itpro.tv slash the-hangover, you can find out all about this event where it's going to be done with Leo Laporte, Steve Gibson and Amy Webb uh, who is a futurist. Uh, so we're going to have some really great insights in the post-COVID world and how enter- enterprise IT is going to uh, evolve over, over that time. Because certainly, you know, there's things that have changed and um, some of those changes will roll back when things are done and some of those things might stay the same if we realize, hey, there's better ways to do things so we're going to talk all about that it now, is peter if yeah.
2: uh, if the hangover is tonight right tonight we that are means drunk.
1: don is drunk right now yeah.
2: right because he's if he's gonna have a hang on is messed. I'm up, a professional, man. and I never <laughs> want to be accused of lying. So um,
4: yes, <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> straight vodka in that Aquafina yeah, it's, it's uh, bottle. There, he's hammering it.
1: So that's Thursday, October 1st, 2020, at 6 p.m. Eastern, uh, 10 p.m. GMT, uh, 3 over in the Pacific. So uh, you want to watch that live on twit.tv. And I don't know. Are we are we gonna archive that and replay it in the future? Hopefully, probably. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, why not? Why the heck We'll go with yeah. And if I'm wrong, (laughs) hey, you know. That sounds like an answer. Yeah. (laughs) You know, 50-50. So I'm going to go with yes, and if not, you know, we'll just edit this whole part out. Uh, Also, another great thing that's tomorrow uh, from the day this comes out, so Friday, October 2nd, 2 p.m. Eastern, IT Squares. It is our take on Hollywood Squares. And I think all of us uh, are squares in the big board, if you remember the old... uh, whether it was the Whoopi Goldberg days or uh, earlier than that, who was the guy in the center square? For Shadow Stevens. News? Sure, Shadow. why not? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a person. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> Did you know they came out with a a hip hop squares too? There, there was a quick uh, reboot that they tried with Flavor Flav. Failed. With flavor you know i'm not flavor sure flavor. Gotta have flavor i would flavor. hope that he would be the center yeah. square in yeah that. he is but an entertaining individual he I'm, is he's got a great stuff. chicken and waffle place in vegas i too. heard i heard yeah anyway uh that is taking place on uh, like i said friday october 2nd 2 p.m eastern time all you have to do is log on to it pro tv create a free membership and you can see that on the on air page there and uh, and take a look at that we're gonna have a lot of fun uh with that one And uh, upcoming webinar-wise, we've got Secrets of IoT. Are your devices spying on you? That's October 8th at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Spoiler alert, yes. (laughs) (laughs) They are spying on you. Uh Uh, So go to itpro.tv slash webinars. You can uh, register for that one. uh, Put it on your calendar. You can just watch it also on ITProTV if you're a free member. Uh, It's a better way to do it, uh, better quality as well. And finally, uh, head over to go.itpro.tv slash technado to... Uh, get a coupon code for 30% off of your personal plan and find out about uh, the business plans that are available and uh, get a demo of the Pro Portal and all the things that are available for businesses as well at go.itpro.tv slash technado. All right, well, good episode, guys. I, I didn't know if we would be able to survive um, without Justin, but I, I would say thrived. <laughs> he was really holding us back. Man, he, he, was. Was. he yeah, was. Yeah.
2: So. Sandbagging the whole show. I'm assuming he's not. I hate watching. you,
1: Justin. Yeah. Well, now let's all pour a little moonshine out for for Justin, though. Uh, Pouring well, out for our dead homies. Our fallen homies. Not that He's dead. Yeah, no, I was going to say he's not did. dead. He Had not out. heard. He's dead to us. Yeah, <laughs> <No>. yeah. <laughs> it's different. Nobody announces they're two it's a weeks. It's metaphorical. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks everybody for watching uh, and tuning in, and we will see you next time right here on Technato with Don Pisette.